Welcome to GovCast, keeping up with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm Alexander Bolivar, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is deputy editor, Kate Macri. Hi, Kate. Hi, Alex. So you had the opportunity to chat with Dan Foyard, CDO at SOCOM. How'd it go? I thought it went really well. I really enjoyed getting a more holistic perspective on the impact data can have on an organization. I feel like chief data officer isn't really the sexiest title. And sometimes we don't really know what does a chief data officer do because it's like, okay, so he's in charge of the data. What does that mean? And so it was really interesting getting his perspective on how data is impacting their work with JADC2, Joint All Domain Command and Control, that initiative with DOD, and then also cybersecurity and also AI, and basically just seeing how it can trickle down and touch all of these different parts of an organization and help them be more effective. So yeah, it was a good interview. So I am one of those people who doesn't really know what a chief data officer does. Um, Can you tell me a bit about Dan's position and just what the job entails? So chief data officer usually is responsible for setting the data standards and data governance for how data is managed within an organization. So they're the ones who are responsible for like organizing it and making sure data is being, you know, shared properly. It's being secured properly. So it's one of those weirdly unique positions where you kind of touch a bunch of different things because cybersecurity matters a lot to the CDO because they're in charge of the data. That also means making sure it's secure. So like you still have a chief information security officer but their scope is a little wider. I guess I would say a chief data officer is more focused specifically on data and less so some of the other things. What they do touches like what the CIO does, what the CISO does, what the CTO does. They're kind of like the glue holding all of those C-suite tech positions together, if that makes sense. So let's talk about data at SOCOM. You already mentioned JADC2, AI, but can we talk a little bit more specifically about what Dan's focusing on? Yeah, so he did talk about some of his big priorities right now. First is data strategy, setting a foundation, policies, governance, helping develop data literacy at SOCOM and data talent. That's a big part of what he's focused on right now. But then he's also focused on being an advocate for data analytics and AI. So taking that data and like going further with it. So plug-in command processes, personnel and resources, and making sure the data is ready to be used, which is kind of like a weird jargony term, but Data readiness basically just means like, this is something that I can use for the job I am doing right now, and I can access it right now. And I know that it's correct and that it's reliable and that there isn't any problem with the data quality or the accuracy or anything like that. So that's kind of what basically what data readiness means. And SOCOM for data readiness operates under the Voltus perspective for data readiness, and VOLTUS is an acronym. 
which stands for visible, accessible, understandable, linked, trustworthy, interoperable, and secure. Kind of a mouthful. And that's a, that's a common framework across DOD. So at the department level for SOCOM, when they are putting out what they call data decrees, they're always in alignment with Vaultus principles. So they want to make sure that basically all of the policy decisions they make about how data is handled, where it's stored, how it's secured, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, falls in line with the Vaultus perspective. Well, with all of that in mind, let's take a listen to your conversation. So, Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to talk about some of your data and data management priorities at SOCOM. To start off our conversation today, I would like to congratulate you since you are relatively new to this position, and I'm hoping you can tell me a little bit about your data priorities as the new CDO of SOCOM. Hey, Kate. Uh First of all, thanks so much uh, for having me on. I'm glad to meet you and uh, really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with me today. First off, let me just say I'm incredibly excited to be on the SOCOM team. Uh, it's a great mission. Uh, it's, a great, uh, it's a great team. And I've been really fortunate to inherit uh, a really strong data team uh, and a boss as well that is laser focused on creating a data-driven command ecosystem here at SOCOM. Uh, so I guess the way I'd frame my, my answer to your question is through three lenses. The first priority is providing bureaucratic leadership. And the second is delivering uh, data-driven insights for performance improvements. And then third, I would say, uh, are finding and exploiting those opportunities for SOCOM to lead as the technology evolves. So let me uh, explain a little bit about each one of those. With respect to bureaucratic leadership, we have a data strategy uh, here at SOCOM, and I, I won't uh, kind of give you chapter and verse of what it says, but essentially it's focused on uh, setting the foundations in policy and governance, really taking a hard look at the data force structure and talent we have and improving uh, aggregate force data literacy, and then thinking through what the right architecture is uh, across the command to be able to take the data uh, and turn it into insights. So really job one under bureaucratic leadership is to really implement the data strategy. Uh, job two, I would say, is to plug into all of the command processes, everything from personnel to resources and be that advocate uh, for data analytics and AI across the command and just have a seat at the table in all these internal command uh, processes that drive strategy to resources. And then the third aspect of bureaucratic leadership, I would say, is take this really robust community of data practitioners that we have spread out across our components and theater uh, special operations commands and really pull them together uh, and really define what the pain points are for our software community of practice and be able to, to work those. Uh, the second aspect uh, of uh, my priorities is delivering insights uh, for mission performance. So. Our commanding general sort of has two halves uh, of his brain. The first half is focused on service-like responsibilities. He's the equivalent of a CEO of a $13 billion a year operating budget with um, 
express statutory authority for organizing, training, equipping uh, the soft formation. And the second, uh, the second part of his brain is focused on his combatant command responsibilities with respect to uh, a variety of operational matters from counterterrorism to crisis response to campaigning. So it may be counterintuitive, but the, the first priority, at least from uh, this command, has been getting its business data in order because that's how we organize, train, and equip the soft force of the future. So data related to manpower, money, material, and education, and creating a single source of truth from that data to be able to derive insights and make better business decisions across this $13 billion a year operating budget. Uh, the third part, uh, and I would say sort of uh, one of the more exciting parts of the portfolio is looking for opportunities uh, for SOCOM to lead as the technology evolves. Much of our work is focused on getting the data right, and hopefully we can talk about that later. But being able to plug into this amazing innovation ecosystem within the special operations community at the operational tactical levels and be able to derive uh, meaningful uh, capabilities, tools, practices, and be able to scale those, uh, again, as the technology uh, changes at a pace that, you know, uh, the entire public sector and private sector are, are trying to keep up with. So this, this really relies on strong executive sponsorship uh, from the leadership team at SOCOM. I've got to be inside the decision cycle uh, for business decisions and operational uh, decisions in particular to be able to apply data for insights. And then, you know, really it's, it's based on a foundation of trying to make relentless incremental progress uh, in terms of showing the value of taking data-driven approaches to the problems we have. And again, I, I'm just incredibly fortunate to be here. Uh, there's just a tremendous amount of, of data and AI leadership that's happened throughout uh, Special Operations Command. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we can add some bureaucratic leadership and some insights uh, on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a really big job, a really big set of duties that you have to accomplish here. So I actually wanted to clarify real quick, before you were in this role, you were the chief digital and AI office, chief operating officer at the Pentagon. Are you still serving in that role while you're also CDO at SOCOM? Or is that something that you only did for a short time before coming over to SOCOM? Yeah, I appreciate the chance to clarify that. No, I'm, yeah. I'm uh, full-time here uh, at Special Operations Command. Uh, the last assignment I had um, after nearly 20 years in the Pentagon was to help establish the DOD uh, CDAO and for, for gotcha. context that was merging together four uh, organizations uh, mm -hmm. into one. So I was kind of focused on the the bureaucratic mechanics of that, the personnel side uh, and the funding side and sort of the the real painful process, if you will, of bureaucratically reorganizing within the Department of Defense. Sure, sure. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about the role of artificial intelligence in your job right now, because, you know, data is the foundation for artificial intelligence capabilities. And obviously, AI is a big priority for the Defense Department with the launch of this new office. And it's pretty important across the services right now. Data and AI experts have been talking about how data readiness is a really critical foundation for functional AI. So how are you working towards data readiness with consistent data standards, governance, et cetera, at SOCOM to get ready for AI? 
Yeah, I appreciate the chance to address this. And uh, I spend a lot of my time uh, on this aspect of the portfolio. Uh, you know, for context, you know, just to reiterate what you just said, you know, good data sets the foundation uh, for moving on to these more predictive uh, and ML-based tools that are going to allow us to take the technology to the right, to the, to the next level. So we've got to really focus on getting the data right. And I think in context of the DoD journey uh, on this technology, you know, I do think, you know, we probably moved uh, very quickly to, to focus on uh, AI, whereas now we're sort of taking a step back to really focus on getting that foundational data in order. Uh, and as you know, uh, there's a lot of technical debt in the department uh, that we have to work through in order to get the data right. So let me, let me kind of walk you through three levels in which I think about uh, and operationalize data readiness. So at the highest level, we are committed uh, to the principle of VALTUS. And VALTUS stands for, uh, we want to make our data visible, accessible, understandable, linked, trustworthy, interoperable and secure. So it's kind of a mouthful. Uh, we just summarize it with Vaultus. So I think from a department level, the deputy secretary in particular has been uh, incredibly helpful to, to set forth a, a series of data decrees in alignment with these Vaultus principles. And what we wanna do is uh, make sure that these principles are sort of the ethos of all of our functional communities within uh, within the department, certainly within SOCOM, everything from personnel data to operational data to logistics data to financials. So everyone from our general officers down to our contracting officers can commit to uh, to these data principles. And just as a matter of context, it's been incredibly impressive to watch the department's attitude on data change, uh, particularly over the past few years. And we can talk more about that. Uh, if you click down from the principal level, my focus is on how do we manage data as a product? You know, we do talk a lot about treating data as a strategic asset, but what does that mean practically in terms of the processes and procedures that we put in place to, to, take, that, uh, to take that idea that data is our strategic asset and turn it into reality? And what that comes down to is we actually have to manage it uh, and we need to focus senior leader attention on managing it setting targets and metrics around our data. So let me give you a few examples. You know, data visibility is best instantiated by our commitment to data cataloging, just making sure that all of our data is visible across the organization. We've got a really solid catalog and strong data stewardship uh, to go along with that. To make the data trustworthy, we have to have authoritative data sources that allow us to build a system of accountability to drive data quality. We want to be able to assess how interoperable and accessible our data is. Where is it? Uh, what does it connect to? What should it connect to? Which data layer does it need to go in? What does it mesh to? So really just putting management principles and functions uh, around our data. And then if you click down to the lowest level, you know, there's so much data in the Department of Defense and even at SOCOM between operational data, business data, intelligence data, we, we don't want to boil the ocean. Uh, and we want to let the key questions uh, drive the value chain for our data. What we want to be able to do is not try to go after every piece of data, but really let the decision makers guide us in terms of where we need to put our time and attention to get the data right and let the questions drive the focus. So uh, 
in in some it's commitment to Vaultus. We want to manage the data and we want to go after data that matters. Gotcha. Yeah, that sounds like a really big task. So I wanted to follow up on something you mentioned about um, how you need authoritative data sources for a system of accountability to drive data quality. I feel like federal government has been talking a lot about how to manage AI in an ethical way and not feed AI capabilities data sets that are already flawed because, you know, that means you're just going to get a flawed AI capability, whatever that looks like, or a flawed algorithm. How are you guys accounting for this from a data perspective and, and trying to make sure that you, you know, really have what you need in order for AI? Yeah, look, I, I appreciate that question because you know, we're committed to uh, following solid principles for AI assurance mm -hmm. uh, and making sure that we, uh, when we do actually get to the point where we're ready, we have data ready to, to put into a model and begin to apply machine learning against it, that we've got the appropriate procedures uh, on the other end as we start to create those models to, to test and evaluate those models for bias uh, in particular uh, and quality as well. So it's really, uh, you know, the, the work that goes into uh, test and evaluation, AI assurance and trustworthiness, uh, once you have, you know, an ML uh, pipeline and a, and a data model, an AI data model, uh, is incredibly serious because we need these systems uh, and these platforms and these, uh, these algorithms to work, not just uh, with respect to all of the, you know, the consequentials we need to make at the the enterprise level, but particularly when we start thinking about uh, the nature of soft operations globally. Uh, so we're committed to following AI assurance principles, and there's, I think, very solid extant policy guidance from uh, from the Office of the Secretary of Defense to help us uh, adhere to those. We're going to take a break from today's interview and play a game I call Archive Deep Dive, where I challenge our hosts to identify a previous guest on our podcast. Playing today are Deputy Editor Kate Macri and Senior Researcher Sarah Seibert. Hi, everyone. Hi, Hello. Alex. Here are the rules. I will play a clip, and if you know the answer, buzz in using a buzzword. Today's buzzword is simple. It's AI. Oh, okay. If you get it wrong, the other player gets a chance to guess. If neither of you get the answer, I open the floor to random guessing until somebody gets it right or I give up and tell you. There are three clips today. Are you ready? Yes, I think so. All right, here is clip number one. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think supporting users and, and really providing communications on a global scale has really been one of SOCOM's, in oh, my opinion, AI. core competence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so this is the previous SOCOM CDO. I don't remember his name, though. Does this even count? No. It's totally slipping. It's the previous SOCOM CDO, if you can remember his name, Sarah. Oh, man. This He's is no like longer the, <laughs> the CDO. I'm actually interviewing the new CDO next week. I, oh, what's his name? I'm not sure. When was this recorded? It was last spring. It was like May mm -hmm. time frame, yeah. I think. Yeah. Or June. Five, yeah. 
It might have been early June. Mm. It was after Sophic. So my hint for you is that this person shares a name with these two famous, I guess, children's stories, Blank and the Wolf and Blank Rabbit. Peter. Something. Hood. No. <laughs> I was thinking Wolf, Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> I don't know. The best I can do is the previous SOCOM CDO. <laughs> I'm literally Peter. totally blanking on his name. <laughs> All right. Well, the answer is Peter Trajakis. Ah, well, see, CIO, that's why. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, CIO. Oh, I was super wrong. I, I, I mean, why I'm, did I think it was the CDO? I'm going to double check, but according to our website, it's CIO. <laughs> Maybe that's a typo. <laughs> no, 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 that's right. That should be right. Wow. <laughs> I really messed that up. <laughs> well, we learn something new every day, but it is correct that this was actually it was published in July. But yeah, you got it the right time. Yeah, I'm like, wow, super way off here. Well, I don't know why I thought he was the CEO. I got so calm. Yeah, <laughs> and you did, and that's half the battle. Well, you've got two more opportunities to guess correctly. Our next clip is both of the programs, challenge.gov and citizenscience.gov, were created in AI. response. Oh, it's GSI. Yes. And she's part of our women tech leaders group. Uh, Jara. Jara from GSI. I'm going to give it to you. Midor is the last name. Yeah. <laughs> Jara Midor, Director of Open Innovation, TTS, GSA. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Clip three. Clip Another tiebreaker. I know. Wow. Seriously. All right. Here we go. So the expectations and what needs to be done in this job for the department, I have a, obviously a foundation that I can build upon. So I'd imagine it would be more of a challenge if I was totally private sector and then came into this and then trying to get my hands around the budget process and what's happening and the telework and how they are managing everything. This is not someone I interviewed, I don't think. Am Is I right it? about that? I believe so. Okay. Mm. So, AI, but I don't know an answer. <laughs> My guess is someone from OMB. Um, but I can't think. That's, that's my guess. My hint to Kate is I think it's somebody from OMB. <laughs> well, it's a pretty bad hint <laughs> because it's wrong. <laughs> oh, no, because she said the department. Nobody refers to OMB as a true, department. true. So I think it's. I think it's Cybercast. Am I right about that? It's a GovCast. Shoot. Of like some, I mean, it's definitely a woman. Position in the title or procurement? Nope. Mm. Wow. When was this recorded? This is all the way from season three. Ah, oh, well. Before either right. of us were working here. <laughs> My hint for you, I'm going to give you the title at the time. I don't believe she's still there, but 
CIO at DHS. Oh, Karen Evans. Karen Evans, yes. That that doesn't count though, because like we it, when did when was this? Let me let was me this, find it. This was was this after I started? Was this twenty twenty? I think this was twenty twenty. Let's see. Well, so we, we we interviewed her when she was at Energy, and then oh, sorry, we no, had an interview no, from. We did another interview shortly after she started, and for some reason, it's not popping up in my initial she search. CIO, like right after I started. Right, three twenty two, July thirty first, twenty twenty. Oh, so that was right after I. Oh, oh yeah. So Amy did that interview. Yes. That's right. That was right. That was like. Literally like two months. No, that was one month after I started. And this was, was I guess, four months into my time here as well. All the way back in 2020. How time flies. Back then, they didn't have fun game sections during the podcast. And now you're listening to us flail, (laughs) trying to guess correctly in the awful game I call Archive Deep Dive. Kate Sarah, thank you for playing. And now, back to the episode. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. So I want to change gears a little bit because I'm interested in the cybersecurity component of all of this. So uh, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency has told us in a couple of interviews now about how important data readiness is to making sure you have a sound cybersecurity strategy because you you can't protect your data and protect your assets if you don't know where your data is or how it's being used or who's accessing it. So I'm curious, how does data management and your responsibilities as CDO impact cybersecurity at SOCOM? And I'm wondering, do you work closely with the CISO and cybersecurity office on this particular area? Yeah, let me just let me just emphasize, uh, you know, cybersecurity is critically important to us uh, mm-hmm. at SOCOM. Uh, we know the threat vectors are, are real. Uh, mm-hmm. They're active and there are a lot of them. And we have to take this seriously uh, at the command, given the nature of our of our operations globally. And I like to think about kind of how we, we do this from a CDAO perspective in three frames. And, and you mentioned it. The first and most critical part of this is our relationship with the chief information officer. Right. Uh, and, his, and his team here at SOCOM, which owns the CISO functions. And, and I'll just say that the the relationship with the CIO is probably uh, the most important one for a CDAO to be successful. They own uh, the networks and they own the risk to the networks. Uh, and so, you know, the, the constant dialogue is this balance between uh, speed and risk uh, that, again, me is sort of the demanding customer in terms of, you know, how fast we want to be able to move things. And, you know, the the CIO as the owner of the risk, uh, having to maintain ultimate accountability for uh, our cybersecurity posture. Um, a second piece that we try to bring uh, within CDAO is implement strong data stewardship uh, on data management best practices. And again, this is back to treating our data as a product. We want to make sure that it's fully cataloged. All of our data has to have Uh, we have to have clarity on where the attributes of the data are, and it has to be supported by strong data stewardship uh, throughout the command. 
Uh, we want to make sure all of our sensitive data is appropriately documented and protected, whether it's personal data, whether it's health-related data or law enforcement sensitive data. So a lot of this goes back to best practices with respect to uh, data stewardship. And then the third piece of this, I think, is partnering throughout the command to understand our vulnerabilities. Uh, you know, moving data across domains uh, from, you know, commercial internet to higher levels of classification. That's one aspect. Uh, we want to think hard about uh, classification issues as we start to aggregate and link this data together. And then critically, once it's aggregated and linked, how and where we secure it. And then another piece of, of part around the vulnerabilities is just being able to understand some of the, the risks with respect to our digital footprint uh, as a command as well. So uh, to wrap it up, I'd, I'd say that, you know, the most important piece of this is linking arms uh, with the CIO uh, and practicing strong data stewardship to balance the security risk with the, op uh, the opportunities provided by the technology. Sure. And I wanted to follow up on that as well, because I'm curious about the role that Zero Trust plays in all of this. Is that something that you guys think about and consider from the CDO office perspective? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and uh, again, we'll, we will partner closely uh, with our CIO for that. Uh, they are they are our lead within the command. They sort of will own the, the infrastructure component uh, of what we're doing here. And Zero Trust is a huge priority, not just at the command, but as you know, uh, at the DOD level as well. So I wanted to change gears again and talk about the joint all domain command and control initiative across the Defense Department. Data is obviously a huge component here. It's basically the foundation of this initiative. Can you discuss SOCOM's efforts around JADC2 and how you're preparing data to support this effort from a combatant command perspective? And if you have any challenges or successes that you'd like to talk about, I would love to hear about those. Yeah, uh, Kate, you know, you, you noted that, uh, you know, JSC2 is a major focus, not just for SOCOM, but really the entire department uh, is putting its shoulder uh, behind this. And uh, we've seen really strong leadership uh, from the senior echelons of the department, uh, all the way to the, the secretary and the deputy, the OSD CDAO, the joint staff, the services, the combatant commands, all of whom are uh, significantly engaged uh, in trying to move the ball on this. Uh, I'll note that uh, Northcom uh, just had another uh, global information dominance experiment uh, a few weeks ago. And, and we're really encouraged uh, here at SOCOM in terms of the direction that uh, we're moving as a joint force, both in terms of the level of leadership engagement and then the overall approach to establishing a campaign of learning uh, and experimentation and testing uh, how we're moving on this. Uh, and the challenge is substantial. Uh, as you know, the legacy technical debt across the joint force here is a barrier to scale. And it is all about the data being able to move it to the right place at the right time. And it's got to work uh, in the environment in which it's going to be deployed. And uh, those conditions matter. So as it pertains specifically to SOCOM, uh, we're a microcosm of the joint force. We're in every combatant command through our theater special operations commands. We're in every service uh, through our service components. Uh, and what that creates is, uh, you know, we have all the good and bad pathologies of all this technical debt within our own formation, uh, particularly as it relates to, to data, data standards, uh, location of the data, ability to move the data. So we're, we're a microcosm of that 
uh, that JAD C2 problem that the enterprise is trying to go after. Uh, I will say that SOCOM has been and is a pathfinder in JADC2. We've got a lot of reps on Ops Intel Fusion over the past 20 years, particularly in the counterterrorism fight. Uh, and a lot of that has produced, you know, a, a real uh, tangible set of uh, insights from modern data management practices, uh, approaches, and tools to be able to do operations in that CT environment. And what we're trying to do is feed those lessons and those, uh, you know, those trial and error uh, reps that we've had as the department undertakes its JADC2 uh, journey. I'll just end with, you know, that we're fully lined up uh, in support of the joint forces efforts. Uh, you know, we're involved in this campaign of learning. Uh, we're certainly embedded with each of the services as they're making their own uh, investments and choices. And I think, you know, we're thinking through here at SOCOM, not just, uh, you know, what we can do in, in an actual conflict with JADC2. You know, the NDS uh, calls for the department to focus on campaigning as well. And SOCOM's role left of conflict with respect to campaigning is critical. So we're really trying to think through, not just from a, from a warfighting perspective, uh, how JADC2 becomes real in support of the joint force, how we at SOCOM could do data-driven campaigning uh, to succeed left of conflict. Awesome. So I just have a couple more questions for you before we wrap up here. First off, what's the hardest part of your job right now? Yeah, Kate, that is an excellent question. <laughs> um, again, and, and I just want to emphasize um, the ingredients we have at SOCOM to be successful are many. We've got strong leadership that is committed to making this command data-driven. Uh, we've got uh, resources to be able to start the journey in terms of bringing the data together and delivering insight. And we've got a, a tremendous amount of partners, both within the formation and outside the formation, uh, that are going to help us on this journey. So I, I would like to start with the positive to say that I, I think that uh, we have all the ingredients here at SOCOM uh, to be successful. I will say that, you know, systemically, not at SOCOM necessarily, but across the department, you know, the concept of taking data analytics and AI and making part of the part of the bloodstream of all of our processes and all of our operations at scale, you know, it's still a task. Uh, we're still sort of on the fringes in some ways. Many of my partners throughout the other combatant commands or even within the services, you know, they have to have a seat at the table. And so I'm fortunate at SOCOM because I have a seat at the table. Um, but I could certainly see, you know, my partners uh, across the department still trying to, to build out their data force structure and trying to uh, make sure that they can be an advocate uh, for their portfolio and some of those big DOD processes. Absolutely. What would you say is the best part of your job right now? Yeah, so uh, that is a great question. Um, <laughs> I think that there is an ocean of opportunity to succeed and, and really launch uh, this capability into the bloodstream of how we make decisions at scale at SOCOM. Uh, and so the best part of my job is being able to say from all of these amazing opportunities, where are we gonna get the biggest return on investment in terms of uh, decision impact and changing the culture of the enterprise 
uh, to leverage all these modern data management tools and practices that are available. So it's almost a challenge just because, you know, there's so much opportunity. Uh, we've got to pick the best ones. Sure. So I don't think I have any more questions for you at the moment. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we wrap up here? Uh, no, Kate, just just to thank you again uh, for making the time to talk to me. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been on the data journey for a little while uh, in the department for uh, almost 20 years. And uh, yeah. I can tell you that what we're trying to do uh, at scale uh, is really hard to do. And mm -hmm. I'm just super excited, uh, you know, again, that we've got all the right ingredients here at SOCOM uh, to be successful. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing where this journey takes us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dan. I really appreciate it. All right, Kate. Thanks. Take care. Thank you, Kate. That was a very interesting conversation. Before we let our listeners go, do you have any last takeaways you want to leave them with? So I think one of the interesting things about the conversation that is also a consideration for a bunch of other federal agencies right now is the need for authoritative data sources for a system of accountability to drive data quality, because you really need that in order to have AI implement any kind of AI capability. And AI is a really big priority for a lot of federal agencies right now, especially DOD. They're really, really focused on that. So making sure that your data sources are reliable and accurate and that you're maintaining data standards so that they stay that way and so that data isn't being used in a way that compromises the data quality or the accuracy or like how it's stored or how it's managed is really, really important. And so that's something that Dan is really focused on right now, that and getting SOCOM's data ready to contribute to JADC2. So data visibility, data cataloging, those are also really important. That's really kind of the first step. And it's really interesting hearing from him about how, you know, data visibility really is the first step for anything that you're doing in IT, even cybersecurity, because if you don't know what you have, where you have it, or why you have it, which is something that the concept of data visibility is trying to solve, then you can't have an effective cybersecurity strategy. So as someone who focuses primarily on cybersecurity and covers a lot of cybersecurity, it's always really interesting to hear how these other things, such as data and being a chief data officer, actually have a lot to do with cybersecurity and also other IT initiatives like AI. Yeah, it's all interconnected. And, you know, from my perspective, data visibility, it seems like something that should be a given. I mean, I guess it's like a library, you know, with the Dewey Decimal System versus my bookshelf, which is just a mess, you know, which one would you be able to actually find something there? Yeah, and I think it's that's something that's really hard in the cloud. I think that's partly a cloud problem because, you know, before when you just had these legacy mainframe like network infrastructures, you know, you could like if you worked for DOD, you could only access what you needed to do your job when you like went into the building and used like the laptop 
in the building and like we went through all these security procedures in order to access it and it's all like it stays there in like that physical location you know what i mean and that's not true anymore with the cloud like now you can technically access this stuff anywhere but that also makes it easier to have a lot more data basically and information about things just floating around out there and like losing track of it because it's like everywhere and people are in different places accessing it and that just you know makes it hard to keep track of so i think that's a really big challenge right now for all of government really sounds like socom is doing some spring cleaning very well timed as we are getting into march now and with that, that's all for today's GovCast. If you like what you heard, make sure that you're subscribed on the podcast platform of your choice. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new GovCast. But until then, I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Kate Macri. Thank you for listening. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.